Thank you. <laughs> All right. Wow. Thank you. Man, that totally blows me away. I love this. I love this place. No one greets me like that. Okay. Um, not even my wife. Um, I threw my back out yesterday morning, so if I'm leaning on this, that's why. And if I'm leaning to, to my right, that's why, too. But it doesn't matter. I got something really important to say, and I feel like Satan wants to screw me up and get us distracted. And, you know, it always happens that way, doesn't it? It's like something weird happens, and, and you go, okay, that, that's not a coincidence. I believe God has some things that he wanted me to say. I've been praying about this. And uh, so I, let, me, let me pray one more time, if, if you don't mind. Father, I pray that you take away all distractions right now. God, give me the exact words to say. Even if you want me to ditch what I have prepared, Father, and your spirit has something else, then so be it. Make me fearless, God, to say whatever. God, we want your words. Only you can change lives. Only your Holy Spirit can change. God, even if you, you choose to heal me in the middle of this, God, that would be awesome. And we just leave here praising God and forget the message. We just saw the power of God. And so, Father, it's about you. We want you to be honored, glorified. We want people leaving, talking about Jesus and his power. So it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You know, I, a lot of you guys know I moved up to San Francisco, and I... Yeah, and I actually saw a bunch of you APU there, uh, people there like a few weeks ago. You're helping in the inner city and in the Tenderloin area where I was doing ministry. But I, I got to tell you about this because I don't know what days you were there, like Monday or Tuesday. I saw a few of you on a street corner, I don't know, doing something, passing out food. And some of you were folding these sermons that we were going to pass out that weekend because we we're doing a big conference there. And this was just something that me and my friend Chris, who, who works there, just decided to do. We said, let's, let's do a conference where it's not just speaking, singing, speaking, singing all day long. Let's actually do something. Let's have people sign up and, and, and they would know that coming there, yeah, they'll hear a message in the morning, but then all day long, they would be washing the feet of the people on the streets. They would be knocking on doors, you know, seeing people needed groceries. There was a medical clinic. There were, you know, there, there, was, there, was, there was food, you know, being passed out everywhere. Big block party for them thrift store, all sorts of these, these things just to help the people in that community. But the, the crazy thing was the, 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 the Wednesday before the conference, you know, we realized we had an overwhelming response of believers that wanted to come out and do that. So we even had to turn people away. But that Wednesday, Roger, who's in charge of City Impact, he goes, hey, we don't have any meat like, we're, we're about to make 10,000 meals to pass out with no meat. And uh, so he looks at his son and says, hey, can I borrow your credit card? You know, because if we don't have any money in the ministry left, can I borrow your credit card? And his son's like, I guess. I don't know if it'll work, you know. <laughs> but then, get this, about an hour later, Trader Joe's calls. They call City Impact and say, hey, all of our freezers just shut down. Can you take all our meat? Isn't that awesome? It was so cool. We all just got the chills, you know, as, as this big, you know, U-Haul truck comes, and it's just filled with, like, marinated pork chops and chicken and steak. 
And, and it was so awesome because now the people that were passing the food out on Friday and Saturday knew, hey, this came from God. <laughs> like, this is just amazing. And to see God work, I mean, it was just so fun. I don't know about you, but there's nothing I'd love more than that. Where here these people were fasting and praying all week, and then something like that happens. And you go, okay, that, there's no way that was coincidence. I love when I see answered prayer and that's why I love being a part of this ministry out there, because the guy that led it, Roger, man, the way it started was he was an accountant, and he would just see all these poor kids running around, and so he just came with like a bag of sandwiches one day, and just tried, just tried something, and, uh, and then he felt like God was saying, no, I want you to have a presence there in that district, and so he starts praying for a building that he felt like God wanted him to be in, and uh, and, uh, and, and then he asked the, the owner of the building, hey, can I rent like a little cubicle in there? And he rented a cubicle just to pray in that building that God would give it to him one day. And then at 6 o'clock when everyone was cleared out, he would just walk through the whole building, you know, and just pray over it and ask God for it. Then he and his wife made an offer on the building and they had no money. And so they fasted and prayed for 40 days, he and his wife. And on the last week, you know, this, this family calls him over, and, and he goes to their house, and, and this whole body that had been praying in this house for 20 years said, we believe God sent you here. And they all just started writing checks to him, and they purchased the building, okay? And then, okay, get this, then um, this strip joint is about to open next door. And so Roger goes to City Hall with his sleeping bag, that's it, and fast and praise there on the steps of City Hall for 40 days. He just laid there, praying. And then the last week, the owner of the building goes, okay, 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 you know, we'll sell it to you or something. Let's see if there's something we can do. And as they're negotiating, the owner of the strip joint died. <laughs> I know. It's like, I, see, but for me, I love being a part of a ministry where they just believe in prayer. I know, I don't get on his bad side. I, I just, I, I love being a part of something like that where, you know what, everything's based on prayer, on God's provision. And I, I don't know if you're seeing things like that in your life. I mean, how is your prayer life lately? When's the last time you experienced the supernatural? Because as I, as I prayed about what I wanted to share with you guys today, I, I really felt like the burden on my heart is I see so many people who call themselves Christians who live such boring lives that, that it looks like the rest of the world. And they don't have stories of their God and the, and the answered prayer and the things that he's doing. I mean, just even last week, uh, I, I was, uh, you know, fixing some bricks in my, my front yard and some Jehovah's Witnesses just came up to me and, and started talking to me and, and say, hey, have you heard anything about us or whatever? I go, yeah, I've, I've heard plenty. And, and uh, we just started talking and, and um, I, I just, I started talking about answered prayer. I said, hey, does, does God answer your prayers? I mean, what's, what, what's your prayer life like? I go, because I, I want to tell you about some things God's been doing in my life recently. And they looked at me and they said, well, God doesn't answer everyone's prayers. You know that, right? I go, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's very biblical. I'm glad you said that. You're absolutely right. But he answers mine. Explain this to me. You know, and, 
No, I, I just started telling stories of what God was doing. And they started to walk away. I go, no, I'm not done. And I just walked... <laughs> just out of concern for them. I wanted them to understand, look, this is, this is my God. And I, I literally, I followed them down like about a block and a half. Just, I did. I was just telling them story after story going, man, I'm telling you, this is the God I pray to that I believe in. Do you have stories like that? How is your prayer life? Man, because when I was your age, everything I believed in was, was a lot of it was because of apologetics, because I had studied the scriptures, and, and I know the Holy Spirit had done a work in my heart, but whenever I would defend my faith, it was always just, let's go to the prophecies, let's go to archaeology, let's go to, let me prove the veracity of scripture, which is a good and wonderful thing to be able to do, and I think as believers, we should be able to do that, but you also see in scripture all through history, God moved powerfully. And so I wanted you to think through, okay, is he answering my prayers? Um, I, I just want you to experience this spirit-filled life because I get bored pretty quickly. And I get bored when I'm just doing ministry and I just feel like everything's in the flesh and I'm just forcing it. And it's like, come on, God, give me, a, give me a glimmer. Give me something. You know, I just shared my faith with this guy. If they don't believe, I, I mean, they're going to just look at me at like a, another cult guy or whatever else. Like, you've got to answer prayer. In, in fact, ah, man, I just keep going on these tangents. I'm starting a ministry tomorrow. No, what is it? Monday, okay. Tomorrow's not Monday. Monday. I'm starting a ministry in that inner city area. This is what we're doing. We're having a whole team of people. We're just, uh, oh, we're, um, he didn't heal me yet. Okay. There's all these apartment buildings out there in, in the Tenderloin area. There's 586 of these apartment buildings in a square mile. Okay. And, and this is what we're going to do. We're just going to take an address. And I'm just going to get a prayer team. I'm going to take that address, whatever that address is. And I want you on your face, you know, like hours a week praying for that address. Meanwhile, we got another team that's going to knock on every door, every door, and just, and, and just say, hey, you know, how can we help you? Anything we can do for your kids? You need some medical? You need some food? You need whatever else? And, and also, what, what, what can I pray for you about? Seriously. I mean, sky's the limit. I just, I want you to test my God. Okay, tell me a prayer request. Just even if you think it's ridiculous, even if you don't believe in my God, give me that prayer request. And we're going to send it back to the prayer team and go, man, get on your face and pray for this guy. Pray that this thing will actually happen. And then say, man, if, if, if God answers your prayer, if he shows you how real he is just in this next week, because I'm going to have all sorts of people pray for you, then will you study this book with me? You don't have to go to church. You don't have to give me anything, whatever. Just open this book with me just, just for an hour. Can we talk? And just see, okay, God, it's totally in your hands. Let's see what happens. And for those who believe, we want to disciple them, not bring them necessarily to a meeting or, you know, have them join anything. Say, I just want to teach you the word of God. And we're praying that, you know what, God's going to have pastors in every apartment building where these people will come to the Lord and we'll disciple them to teach the rest of their apartment building. And, and it just, that's the type of ministry I get excited about. It's like, okay, God, either you do something or I'm messed up. Um, you do something or this is all for naught. But I want to see your power. I want to see your power in that way. There, there's a passage that kind of shocked me the other day when I was reading it. It was... Um, It was in Hebrews, that's where it was. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5. 
Because like that lady told me a, a week or two ago, I don't even remember how long ago it was. She says, no, God doesn't answer everyone's prayer. You guys know that, right? God doesn't listen to everyone's prayer. I mean, you, you see it in scripture. God says it all the time. Like in Isaiah 58, he's just like, man, I don't even care that you're on your face fasting and praying all week long. That's not the fast that I chose. I, I'm not going to listen to that. In Amos 5, he goes, man, I can't even stand the sound of your singing. I mean, time and time again, in, 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 uh, in James chapter 4, verse 3, he goes, you, you pray, you ask, but you're not receiving. Why? Because you're asking with the wrong motives. You're just trying to spend it on yourself. He goes, I don't listen to that prayer. In 1 Peter 3, he says, hey, husbands, you better treat your wives with some serious honor and respect here. You better treat her as a fellow heir of the grace of life or so that your prayers will not be hindered. James 1 says, man, the person who doubts, they're not going to receive anything. God's not going to listen to them. So you see over and over and over again in Scripture, there's times when God just doesn't listen. But there was a verse that floored me. I never noticed this before until last week. It was Hebrews 5. I was studying something else, and it was talking about Jesus. And in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, listen to what it says. It says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Have you ever seen that verse before? I never noticed that. It's talking about the prayer life of Jesus. I mean, Jesus, the Son of God, he's crying. Well, and, and the Bible says the reason why Jesus was hurt, I mean, I would think it would just say, because God liked him. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the Son of God. So why, the, the writer of Hebrews is making a point here. Jesus was heard because of his reverence. I want you to think about your prayer life right now. Because I know some of you are going, man, I'm not hearing these supernatural things like you're talking about. And I'd have to ask, how's your reverence? When you get on your face before God, do you realize who you're speaking to? This, I, I looked up this word reverence, and, and, and it's this, 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 this holy fear, this awe, like Jesus had this awe of the Father, and he realized who he was speaking to. Jesus understood that. And the Bible says he was heard because of that. And it caused me to examine my prayer life. I go, God, all I want to do, I just want to see you answer prayer over and over and over again. And so, God, give me this fear. Give me this awe. Give me this reverence that Jesus had. I want to have this seriousness. I want to have this faith. I want to confess this sin. I mean, you know, earlier, even when, when Woody was praying for my back, I'm saying, God, is there anything I haven't confessed yet? I'm just trying to confess my sin because I want to see it happen. I want to see it happen, and, and nothing happened, so it's probably sin in Woody's life. But it's just, <laughs> when I think of that, I go, God, I, I want that. 
I just want to see it. I want to see it happen over and over. And that was the thing I want to share with you. It's, it's almost like a, in 1 John, in 1 John, John writes to the people. And he goes, man, he goes, I saw him. I have this fellowship with him. I, I, I mean, I speak to God the Father. And he goes, the only, he goes, the reason why I write this, the reason why I say this to you, he says, this would make my joy complete is if you also could have fellowship with me and my fellowship is with the Father. See, that's what would make my joy complete. I love enjoying God. I love seeing answered prayer. And the one thing that I wish, you know, that would just make my joy complete is if everyone else, all these other people who call themselves Christians in America could experience the power of God and have story after story of what he is doing and to have this type of faith. What time is chapel over? Is it 1010? 10.10. Oh man. Okay. We have 40 seconds. 1020. 15. Do I hear? Okay. Okay, good, 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 good. Oh, this is perfect. I got five minutes. And and here's here's oh good, good. See? God answers prayer. Um <laughs> Here, here's something I noticed the other day in the Bible, and I'll, I'll close with this. There might be more, but I only know of two times in the Bible when it says Jesus was amazed. When he was actually amazed by someone. There may be more, and you guys can correct me, email me, tweet about how I was off. But uh, I only know of two. And one was in Mark chapter 6, where Jesus is amazed, or he marveled, they use that word. It says, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Like Jesus got to his hometown. He's like, what in the world? Have you not seen the miracles and you still don't believe? And it says, so he marveled like, I cannot believe their unbelief. He was astonished by it. And so he could do nothing great. The other time I've seen, I, I see him marvel is in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, it says when, in verse uh, 5, when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this and do that, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. He goes, it says Jesus marveled at this guy like, are you kidding me right now? So you believe that I don't even have to go to your house and heal the servant. You have so much faith in me that you really believe that right now I could just say the word and your servant would be healed? The guy's like, yeah. And Jesus looks at everyone and he goes, look at this guy. 
I, I haven't seen this type of faith in all of Israel. So on the one hand, he marvels at, man, look, look, look at this, this, this whole city. How can you not believe? He marveled at their disbelief. And then the other time he marveled was he marveled at this man's faith. See, and I try to just look at my own life and say, God, if, if you were to look at me, what would you marvel at? What would astonish you? And I realized, wow, God, I, I sometimes, you've done such supernatural things in my life, and yet I don't expect it in the future sometimes. And you probably marvel just like you did with the children of Israel, like, man, I showed you miracle after miracle after miracle, and you're still complaining, you're still doubting? I got you to this point, and now you're going to doubt? And I thought, oh, God, I don't want to be that person. I want to be like that centurion where God goes, man, look at Francis. He believes I can do anything. He believes I can do anything. Man, I'm blown away by that guy's faith. The two times Jesus was amazed. Look at your life right now. You know what? I got a minute and a half. I'm not going to waste it. Okay, one last thought then. Okay. No, yeah. Okay. Isaiah 58 is interesting because it says that, you know, God doesn't listen when we don't care for the poor. And I know I only got a minute, but I just thought I would throw that out again because I feel like something that's happened in the Christian church is there was this big time, you know, man, I was at the forefront of, man, we got to care for the poor, care for the poor, care for the poor. And everyone started squashing that after a while. It's like, oh, all you care about is the poor. You're all just about social justice. You're not about the gospel. And you know what? You're a poverty theologian. You think we should give everything to the poor. You're in sin. You're evil. And so I just start backing down. And I feel like the whole church kind of backed down on this issue of caring for the poor. And we can't let that happen. There are girls still being raped 14 hours a day, and we got to give our heart to that. Right now, in the, in the Horn of Africa, that famine is so bad. They are saying if the rains don't come in October, it could mean about 70 million people. It is not time for the Church of Jesus Christ to back off on these issues because we're getting too radical or we care too much about the poor. Don't listen to those voices because they start to get into my head and I'm just back. I'm going, no, forget you. You're wrong. Man, you are so wrong. And it's not that, that I don't, I, I care too much for the poor. You know, they're trying to say, oh, you know, here are the prosperity guys and here's Francis and the truth is somewhere in the middle. No, the truth is over here somewhere. I'm still striving to care more and more and more about the poor. I'm not an extremist. I'm not close to where Jesus was. And so for those of you who've been told, man, you care about the poor or those sexually abused way too much, just, just, just tell them to shut up and read the Bible sometime. Man. All right. That's it. Thanks. You're dismissed. <laughs>